You're listening to Word and Spirit with Pastor James Beauvais of Calvary Anaheim. To find out more, go to calvaryanaheim.org. And now, here's Pastor James. Verse 17, Then Saul knew David's voice and said, Is that your voice, my son David? David said, It is my voice, my Lord, O king. Notice he he doesn't say, It is my voice, you idiot. What are you doing chasing me down? I thought you learned last time in the cave. No, but instead, he calls him my Lord, O king, showing humility, once again, respect for his position as opposed to his character. Verse 18, and he said, why does my Lord thus pursue his servant? For what have I done? Or what evil is in my hand? Now, therefore, please, let my Lord the king hear the words of his servant. If the Lord has stirred you up against me, let him accept an offering. And so, in other words, David is saying, look, if I've sinned, then tell me what I've done, and I'll confess it. I will go, and I will offer a sacrifice, a burnt offering to the Lord for my sins. He goes on to say, but if it is the children of men, may they be cursed before the Lord, for they have driven me out this day from sharing in the inheritance of the Lord, saying, go serve other gods. You see, by driving David out from the people of God, from the worship, the corporate worship of God, from the ability to go to the tabernacle, to celebrate the feast, to sacrifice for his sins and all of these things, then they are separating him from his godly duty to do these things according to the Old Testament law. And then he would be tempted to go seek refuge among the enemy, the enemies of the Lord who worship false gods and engage in all the activities, the sexual activities, the child sacrifice, all of these terrible things involved in the worship of false gods. And so he's saying, hey, this is wrong for them to do this, and I'm tempted The Bible says that bad company corrupts good morals and not to walk in the counsel of the ungodly. And David is saying this to Saul. Saul, if people are speaking this in your ear, don't listen to them. Let them be cursed. And he's kind of giving Saul a way out here diplomatically so that Saul, instead of having to admit his own wrong, which he does here in a moment anyway, but he could just say, you know what, I've been listening to the wrong people. I'm so sorry. Forgive me, David. Turn to Deuteronomy chapter 13. David would have been very familiar with this scripture. This is in the Torah, the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible. David would have had these books available to him, as would Saul, and they would be very familiar with these commands in the scriptures. And the Bible is very serious in the Old Testament about these things. 
And so in Deuteronomy chapter 13, verse 6, it says, If your brother, the son of your mother, your son or your daughter, the wife of your bosom, or your friend, who has as your own soul secretly entices you, saying, Let us go and serve other gods, which you have not known, neither you nor your fathers. Verse 7, Of the gods of the people which are all around you, near to you or far off from you, from one end of the earth to the other end of the earth, you shall not consent to him or listen to him, nor shall your eye pity him, nor shall you spare him or conceal him. You know, in our culture, people don't like a rat, right? A tattletale. But here God is saying, look, if if someone, even if they're, they're the closest person to you, comes and entices you to walk away from the Lord, to do things that are not pleasing to Him, to have false gods and idols in your life, to dethrone God and put yourself on the throne and come away. Let's look at porn together. Let's go to the strip club together. Let's hide and wait and let's uh, beat someone up and take their wallet, you know? Let's do something wicked together, evil together. Let's worship false gods. Let's go down to the mosque and bow down to Allah or whatever. God is saying, look, I am God. I am the Holy One of Israel. And if you're going to walk away from me, that is wrong and unacceptable and against my law. And if that happens, if someone even super close to you wants to entice you away from me, then here's what you're to do to them. Again, this is Old Testament times. Verse 9, but you shall surely kill him. Your hand shall be first against him to put him to death, and afterward the hand of all the people. Whoa, that is some serious business back in those days. And you shall stone him with stones until he dies because he sought to entice you away from the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. So all Israel shall hear and fear and not again do such wickedness as this among you. And so the penalties were to be severe in order to teach a lesson and instill fear of doing wrong against the Lord and walking away from Him. And so this is why David says, look, if, if these guys are talking in your ear, and, and he's not saying it outright, but Saul, if you're doing this, man, cursed, cursed for pushing me away from God and enticing me to go and worship false gods. If you back up in Deuteronomy 13 to verse 4, it says, you shall walk after the Lord your God and fear him and keep his commandments and obey his voice. You shall serve him and hold fast to him. Hold fast to him. He has to tell them to hold fast to him because there are forces that want to pull away. And that's true for us too, especially us living in these days, that there are forces, there are opportunities everywhere to engage in every kind of sin imaginable and get away with it. So we think we're getting away with it. But God says, no, you hold fast to me. Hold fast to me. 
And we're to encourage one another to hold fast to the Lord and stay close to Him. I'm so glad it's not Old Testament times. I'd be dead many times over if it were Old Testament times, friends. But praise Jesus for His grace in the age of grace where we live under the blood of Jesus Christ and He took the penalty and the punishment for all of our sins. But it does tell us what God values and how, how uh, critical it is that we not listen to the enticements of the world and we don't go along with our friends just because, hey, we're loyal to them. They're part of the crew, you know? It's my cousin or whatever. But we, we make a stand for righteousness regardless of who it is that's wanting to draw us away. Verse 20 now, and we're back in 1 Samuel uh, chapter 26, verse 20. It says, so now do not let my blood fall to the earth before the face of the Lord. For the king of Israel has come out to seek a flea as when one hunts a partridge in the mountains. So David's saying, hey, don't kill me. Come on. I'm nothing. And you're chasing me like someone would hunt a partridge. I read one commentary that said, according to the Arabs, they would flush out a partridge, make it fly up in the air, and then it would come land somewhere, and they'd chase it down, and it would fly up again. And they would chase it down and fly up again, and it would get tired, and then just rest, and then they would go with their clubs and find it and club it. And so David is saying here, don't hunt me like a partridge in the mountains. You keep coming out and I got to fly away. It's getting tiring, man. What are you doing? And so David is really perhaps indicating here that he is getting weary of the chase. And it would seem that way as we go into the next chapter. It's been seven years of David being on the run with his men. And it's getting wearisome to him. It says in verse 21, Then Saul said, I have sinned. Return, my son David, for I will harm you no more, because my life was precious in your eyes this day. Indeed, I have played the fool and erred exceedingly. Now, if you go back and you look at 1 Samuel 24, and the way Saul responded to the first time this happened, the first time that David spared his life when he could have killed him, Saul was weeping. He was super emotional. He was saying, you're better than me, and I'm worse than you. And how could, what, what person having the opportunity to avenge himself against his enemies would do that? What planet are you from, David? And he says, I'm not of this world. <laughs> That's a Jesus statement right there. But this time around, you kind of even wonder if Saul is genuine when he says this. <laughs> because there's no emotion involved. It's really short, and he's saying, hey, why don't you return, David? Why don't you come back with me? I'm really sorry. I'm not going to harm you anymore. Come on back. And David's like, no way, man. <laughs> I'm not going back. And so, you know, Saul thought that David meant him harm when he didn't. He was believing a lie. And the devil is the father of lies. He uses the same old tactics today that he did then. He wants to speak lies in our ear. 
get us to believe the lies, and it will impact our whole life and our decisions and our behaviors. And this is why it's so important for us to stay in the truth, to stay in the Word of God, to protect from the lies of the enemy in our ears about ourselves, about other people, about God, but to believe the truth. You remember that the first public school system was established in New England back in colonial times, and the name of the law was the Old Deluder Satan Act because they wanted to teach kids to read so that they could read the Bible so that they would not be susceptible to the lies of the enemy because the Bible is truth. And that's how our public school systems got started in the United States of America. Saul could have had an amazing relationship with David. He could have had a son-in-law, a loyal general and protector, a close friend and confidant, someone to teach and to learn from. There was beautiful potential there. But instead, he believed the lie. He got jealous and believed that David was wanting to usurp him, and he pushed him away and kept doing so. He idolized his powerful position. Now, it's true that it is hard to trust people. They can be so hypocritical and flattering, say the things that they know you want to hear, and then speak badly behind your back, do things that are mean to you. And so we have to open ourselves up to hurt and betrayal to have intimacy, don't we? This is what Jesus did. Jesus even included Judas Iscariot as one of his closest friends, and he opened himself up. He opened himself up to all of humanity. In fact, when we sin, the Bible says it grieves the Holy Spirit. And so with love of sinful people comes hurt and becomes the potential for hurt. But this is what God calls us to. He calls us to love. And this is what Saul was so hung up on, was he was so into himself and idolizing himself that he couldn't get himself to believe that David would be a good man with good intentions towards him. So there were trust issues. But the beautiful thing is we can always trust God. In fact, we always must trust God. So we look past the person and we look to God and trust in Him, in His goodness, in His grace, in His justice, in His ability to take what the devil intends for evil and to make it good, to make it good. And so God loves us and desires closeness and intimacy with us. He favors us and has so much to give. He wants to just pour out blessings on us. Marvin used to say he's got a dump truck full of blessings and he wants to just back it into us. Beep, beep, beep. And just the blessings, the blessings, spiritual blessings. Yes, material blessings. Not the name it and claim it, blab it and grab it, kind of thing, 
but he, he just has good things for us. He'll withhold those things that are bad for us, that aren't going to be helpful to us. That's why he hasn't given me the million dollars I ask for now and then. <laughs> but he gives us so much, and I'm so thankful for him. But we often believe a lie that he's out to get us, and we're afraid to, to let him in. And we throw verbal spears at him and chase him away. And we turn to idols to seek satisfaction instead, thinking we need that position. We need that ministry. We need that boat, that house, that material thing. We need that unhealthy sexual relationship. We need this, that, or the other, and it never brings satisfaction. Only God can do that. And even when we push him away, he continues to pursue. Isn't he good? And so he's showing his long-suffering character in this story with Saul. As we continue to read chapter after chapter of Saul's disobedience, God continues by his grace to give Saul opportunity. We see it once again in this chapter. You know, the Israelites, when they were in the wilderness, they believed a lie there. They believed that because things weren't going their way, that God wanted to kill them. And so they pushed him away. Numbers 21.5 says, And the people spoke against God and against Moses. Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no food and no water, and our soul loathes this worthless bread. You see, God had provided them manna from heaven. It would come down and settle on the ground every day as they were in the wilderness. This amazing provision. But they got tired of it day in and day out. Manna this, manna that. More banana bread. And, and so they got tired of it, and they said, God just wants to kill us. That's what he wants to do. He wants to destroy us in the wilderness. And so they thought badly of God. And, and basically, they were blaspheming his name, his good character, and they missed out on all the great blessings that God wanted to give them because of their unbelief and their lack of faith. And this is what's happening to Saul, but let's not let that happen to us by his grace. Let's not miss out today. Let's let go of idols. Let's return to the Lord. Hosea 6.1 says, come and let us return to the Lord, for he has torn, but he will heal us. He has stricken, but he will bind us up. God is always waiting for us to come back. We've walked away from him. We've pursued other things. We've idolized things, TV shows, hobbies. And he's saying, no, I want to be numero uno in your life. Number one, the prime thing. And friends, God, man, he'll purge stuff from our lives. If we're making it an idol in our lives, he will purge it. 
for me in my life, as I look back, it's been some different things. Mountain biking was one of those things. When I'm sitting in church and I'm picturing myself mountain biking down the stairs of the church, you know, you know, and it's all I can think about. And God's going, yeah, it's fun. And I gave it to you. Enjoy it. But if you idolize it, it's coming away because I love you. And we need to get back to the heart of what this is all about. For my dad, it was surfing. The Lord took away surfing from him for a time, but then gave it back. You see, as we mature in the Lord and we can let go of things, then he'll give it back and it's not our God. But he will make sure it stays that way and he'll test us. So I want to encourage you Anything that you can't let go of becomes fetters. It's a quote from the Lord of the Rings. Becomes fetters. Let go. God's trying to take something from you and say, look, this is, means too much to you. Let go. Give it to me. And if you're good, and if we're close, and if you keep me first, I'll give it back. You're going to have to trust me. And so I just want to encourage all of us today in that. And he will test this with all kinds of things in our lives. All right, where are we at? Verse 22. And David answered and said, here is the king's spear. Let one of the young men come over and get it. May the Lord repay every man for his righteousness and his faithfulness. For the Lord delivered you into my hand today. But I would not stretch out my hand against the Lord's anointed. Verse 24. And indeed, as your life was valued much this day in my eyes, so let my life be valued much in the eyes of the Lord and let him deliver me out of all tribulation. And so David is going, man, I have acted righteously in this instance. And God, you see it. And may you reward me for it, Lord. And friends, even in the church age, the age of grace under the new covenant of grace, God rewards good works. And he rewards righteous living. It's very clear in the New Testament. As we look at the Sermon on the Mount, and Jesus speaks of rewards for people who pray with the right intentions and the right motives. People who fast, people who give charitably. There are rewards that come with these things if done with the right heart, again, with the right motive. If we're constrained by the love of God and we're obedient to Him and enter into His works, remember that it says in Ephesians that you are God's workmanship. His, in the Greek, poema, His poem, He's composed you created in Christ Jesus unto good works. Good works. And so he's saying, come on, enter into your destiny with me and do those things that I'm calling you to do. Moment by moment, day by day, led by the Holy Spirit, and there are rewards for those things. They matter. There's also discipline when we stray from the Lord and we do wrong things. These things still apply to us, even though, thank you, Jesus, we are under the blood of Jesus Christ and we are assured of our salvation by faith alone. 
in Jesus Christ, our Savior, trusting Him. Amen? And there is forgiveness. If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let's finish up the chapter. Verse 25. See if our worship band can outdo the rain. Verse 25, then Saul said to David, may you be blessed, my son David. You shall both do great things and, and also still prevail. He's kind of implying here that the conflict's not over, but David, you're going to prevail. You're going to win in the end. And so David went on his way and Saul returned to his place, his place. And this will be the last interaction between Saul and David. And Saul will no longer have opportunity to pursue David anymore. Praise the Lord. But unfortunately, as we get into 1 Samuel 27, we find that David loses heart and becomes very discouraged. And so we'll get to that next time. He's not perfect, friends. He's a type of Christ, but he's not Christ. Amen? You've been listening to Word and Spirit with Pastor James Beauvais of Calvary Anaheim in Anaheim, California. If you're in the area, we'd love for you to visit. Check out calvaryanaheim.org for location, service times, and more. We'd love to hear from you. To let us know how God has touched your life through this program or to submit a prayer request, simply go to calvaryanaheim.org and scroll down to the Get in Touch form at the bottom of the homepage. Thanks for joining us. Be sure to listen again next time for another edition of Word and Spirit with Pastor James Beauvais. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Anaheim.